Welcome to How Do You Feel, where we talk about how we feel, how we felt, or what we hope to be feeling. My name is Haley Rhodes, and I am the host of this podcast. Join me as I break the stigma of mental health journeys. If you are someone that struggles with mental health, this podcast is not a substitution for professional advice. This avenue is for sharing stories, and we encourage everyone to seek help from professional resources when needed. You are tuning in to another episode of How Do You Feel? The way that we share and talk about our mental health journeys matter, and they are really important. It can be hard to have this vulnerability to share our stories, but it is so worth it. The few people who have gotten to listen to this podcast before it's gone live have all had similar testaments about how interesting and fascinating these stories are, especially because these are all people that connect to these stories. And that's what this is all about. Learning, listening, and valuing the experience of everyone along the way. Today, our guest is Maggie Olson, a graduate of the University of Iowa with a bachelor's degree in political science and psychology. She's now working full-time before she heads to graduate school in St. Thomas for psychology. Now, she spends a lot of time working and spending time with her dog, Griff. And she's here today to tell us all about what it was like for her to go to college and experience the adult world. I guess I grew up in a pretty normal household, you could say. Um, Mom, dad, couple siblings. But um, in fifth grade, my parents got divorced. And that was like the first time that I started to realize my family's maybe a little different, especially because I went to a Catholic school, so everything seemed to be very put together. High school was fine. I was very uh, anal about everything. I always <laughs> tried way too hard looking back on it, but yeah. um, it was it was good. I had friends. That was nice. Um, extracurriculars. Um, but I started to notice I was a little maybe too <laughs> neurotic (laughs) in high school about everything um but college is where everything kind of hit the fan um I went to Iowa huge school very different from I mean a small town obviously Mm -hmm. so that was an adjustment um I also thought I wanted to be pre-med and quickly realized I do not um and so I kind of had to reevaluate everything and change everything um I ended up graduating with a degree in political science and psychology and I'm very happy with that but it was definitely not the easiest easiest path yeah (laughs) but I made it tell me a little bit about why you changed to political science and psych what was that decision like for you and how did you know that those were kind of like the right path for you I was always like a straight-a student in high school like graduated sixth in my class was School always came pretty natural, naturally to me. Not that I didn't have to try a little bit. Yeah. Um, I definitely studied maybe sometimes too much. But overall, it came pretty easy to me. And going to college, I kind of thought, had the same mindset. I was like, I should go with a breeze. I can do this. It'll be fine. Um, so I took principles of chemistry. I don't know the equivalent, equivalent to that at other schools, but it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not do very well. And that was kind of what started my tailspin. I ended up with the C plus in the class, and I thought my world was ending. I was like, you're kidding. I've yeah. never had worse than, I think, a one B plus 
in high school, which was like an AP class. So it still was like an A. <laughs> um, I never, I never did poorly. Um, I, but I stuck through it after the first semester and second semester rolled around and I took my first second, like there was principles chemistry was like part one and part two. I took the second test or the first test in part two and failed completely. Like oh, I think I got no. a 40 something percent. And that was devastating, especially for someone who's really never failed. Um, I went home, t- contemplated um, dropping out, <laughs> thought about transferring back to Dubuque. Um, but my mom's like, just let's see what you can do. Talk to your counselor, your admissions counselor. Let's just see if you can move things around. And I had already knew I wanted to be a psych major on top of pre-med. Because pre-med's not actually a major at Iowa. You have to have, like, a, so like an emphasis, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, but I was in a poli-sci class because I needed it for one of my, like, electives. And I loved it. And so I ended up that semester having to take six one-credit-hour courses. Like, I took a bike riding class. I oh. took a team-building class um, in order to stay eligible for my scholarship because I had to be a full-time student. Mm-hmm. So that is when... I realized, like, I like those, and I, once again, I don't know if I took the easy way out, but they came naturally to me, and in a way that, like, they weren't necessarily easy, but I wanted to study them. Yeah. Like, the principles of chemistry, I had no, I did not care. I did not want to study it. I didn't care how the atoms worked. Did not, <laughs> not get me going, but, like, science, <laughs> like, I was interested in it, so it made it a lot more enjoyable and manageable. Yeah. And so I know you mentioned that college was kind of when you realized that some of your mental health battles kind of began. Was that because of like the difficulty that you had in school or when, what do you think it was that kind of started for you? And was it easy or hard for you to recognize that you were going through something a little bit more than just normal stress or something? Well, my mom, okay. So my mom actually noticed it first. She noticed it at the end of high school. Mm -hmm. And so the beginning of college, I was actually kind of going through different medications and seeing which one worked best. Um, but I started to realize that mostly that the meds were not working and that I needed a little more than medication. Yeah. Um, after I got my final grades that first semester, definitely had a mental breakdown, did not cope with it the best. I went out drinking, even though yeah. I was underage, I do not condone that. Um, <laughs> just, a, just a warning, I don't condone it. Um, but I had a very bad break like I just bawled and called my mom at like two in the morning about how I was a failure and everything and that's when she was like okay we need to really evaluate how you're feeling and what you're doing um and so that is when I though actively was like yes I need to find the right medication what works best for me because Mm -hmm. I knew that how I was feeling was not a good it was not a good feeling I didn't want to feel like that anymore um But I think school definitely was the biggest trigger for me. And then as I got older, it definitely changed into, like, health anxiety. So I'm, like, considered a hypochondriac, which is fine. (laughs) But um, that it, like, shifted over time, which I think is pretty natural. Because once I get – I mean, with anxiety, once you get one thing kind of figured out, something else always pops up. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it feels like it kind of, like, spills into other things. And then you have, like, more on your plate than you even thought, like, was there to begin with. That's super hard. How is, um, I know like a big part of like college is that like social aspect, like going to school and meeting new people and probably having roommates. 
how did that kind of play into things? And um, did you find that your friends kind of also recognized things that were going on or kind of like sympathized or empathized with some of the stuff that you were going through? Social anxiety has not ever been like huge for me. I, I mean, I think I get a little anxious, but I, I think it's a normal anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a little nerve wracking to meet new people. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. So social anxiety has never been really an issue for me, but my friends were noticing that if I was, if something else was bothering me in a social setting, I became like recluse. Like I became very like drawn in. Um, and not that I wasn't having a good time. It's just like, I was thinking about so many other things yeah. that I couldn't really expand upon my social setting. I think that my close friends noticed, like my roommates, obviously they're with me all the time. I think they noticed, but I've always been very good at hiding it. And I think that's probably part of like, it's because I'm type A. Like I'm very yeah. good at like, seeming very put together but um my close friends are the ones that definitely noticed it and they were the ones that got the brunt of it because I I mean when you have anxiety you get very agitated and irritated easily yeah and they definitely got most of it I think they were more confused than anything because I can't put on such a good face that they were like what is going on mm-hmm. I would say like the general public would probably they didn't really have any idea I'm like my but like class friends or I worked and so like my work friends they had no idea but my close friends definitely were like ah girl you need to figure it out yeah and did you feel like you like had conversations with them about how you were feeling or was it just projecting and they were like what's happening <laughs> like what's going on <laughs> I think a little bit of both once everything really hit the fan I had conversations with them and was like this is what I'm feeling this is probably why I've been acting a little um absurd lately Mm-hmm. and they were very understanding they're like yeah we kind of was like what is going on I definitely projected though too um and it caused uh, like some like tension between a couple of my friends yeah once I kind of like cleared the air with everything they were like okay why did you just say that from the beginning but it's hard to talk about so. yeah it is super hard <laughs> I think that I probably like experienced something similar where like I think that especially like as a freshman in college I would project like a lot of what I was feeling And then, like, didn't realize until later on that that's, like, what was happening. At that point, I feel like people weren't really talking about that. You know, like, friends didn't talk about, like, anxiety or all that kind of stuff. It was just kind of, like, jokes and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it does get super hard to talk about, especially when it's something that you're really struggling with and you don't quite have a name to, like, put to what you're struggling. Like, that can be really difficult. Exactly. And, like, I didn't always have, like, words to describe how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. So then that was really hard too. I think it's a maturity thing too. Like as a freshman, yeah. I mean, you're 18 years old. Life is brand new, basically. Like the maturity there is it's just not there. And now I'm very like open and honest and I understand my, I mean, illness, I guess is what they call it. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, it's definitely taken me a while to like be willing to just blatantly talk about it with anyone. Like I used to not want to mm-hmm. tell like strangers about it. And I'm like, who cares? It's who I am. It's part of me. If they don't accept it, it's their loss. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like it's hard with anxiety because sometimes nothing is wrong. You know, like you could right. literally be completely fine and then all of a sudden be like, I don't feel very good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, so exactly. it's it's hard to even like as a person come to like learn what what could be triggering you or what could be like getting hard. And I'm sure that that like made it even harder to like tell friends and stuff. Yes.
how did you kind of obviously you said a lot of this happened like freshman year how was it then like completing your degree um did it take you like the full time I finished in three and a half years but um part I mean it's not because I just like powered through it I took a ton of um AP classes in high school yeah so I came into college already with 23 credits and then I studied abroad for a summer, so I got credits through that. Yeah. And so when I was looking at my schedule, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I only need 18 credits to, <laughs> like, graduate. And so I could have either banded out and done, like, 12-12 and maintained full-time status so I could keep my scholarship. But at that point, I was like, why take out more loans? Yeah, honestly. Um, so it really just came down to that. Not that I, like, really powered through it, but that just from like happenstance like studying abroad and everything I was able to do it in three and a half years and did you find that like your anxiety got better kind of as time went on because you like learned a little bit more or like did it did it not really like change I think school-wise my anxiety got better especially as I got a, like got the hang of it and took classes like obviously as you get deeper into your major you choose like specifically what you want to take yeah um, so that kind of faded, but I still would have days of like complete anxiety for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I learned how to like deal with it as I got older too. School wise, it was never, I mean, I think a little bit of like a type A personality is good for school because it keeps you on your game Yeah, and it like forces you to study and actually like go to class. <laughs> um, cause I had a lot of friends that never went but um as far as like complete like anxiety attacks they were never really related to classes oh yeah interesting it was just like kind of other things going on that like school was just kind of the tip of the iceberg almost yeah like things would be fine and then I'd be like oh my god I have an exam and then that would be the problem um instead of just like generalized anxiety from classes like school was never Aside from when, like, freshman year when I wasn't doing well, it wasn't classes that was my anxiety. It was failure. Like, yeah. failure causing. Yeah, I feel that. that makes sense. I feel that very hard. <laughs> that was, like, exactly my experience as well. And, like, yeah, I think I've, like, come to learn that school probably isn't the healthiest environment for me just because I do think that students and especially college students are kind of forced to make really unhealthy sacrifices to do well in school. Like, that's just kind of yeah. how it works. and. Um, but yeah, a lot of times it's like other things going on and school just like happens to like be like that one thing that just like kind of spills it all over and then like makes it super hard to like deal with all the other things, which it makes sense when you look at like all the things that we expect students to do, like that makes sense, but it is kind of really unfortunate. Yeah. I see things all the time. Like you sacrifice like healthy eating habits and working out for social, for doing well in class. And it's like, there's never a good balance. Yeah, I know. It's always like one thing over the other has to be chosen. And like, right. Yeah, I always get so mad when professors are like, oh, we'll just like take a break with school. And I'm like, but then I fall behind. Like, right. Like, like you can tell me to take a break and I can, but then I'm doing three times as much work later on, you know, when I take even a day break. So it's like, yeah. it's like an ever, like a non ending battle. I was a rhetoric minor. I don't know if you're familiar with what that is not, not a lot of schools like have it yeah that's but interesting basically we everyone had to take rhetoric as a freshman some people call it like speech and reading mm-hmm. comprehension or something like that 
some schools, but those professors were definitely a little more out there, <laughs> a little a little more eclectic. And so they would be like, yeah, take this weekend off, like no homework. I'm like, okay, that's nice, but your homework is easy. I'd have to watch a TED Talk. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like it's not like I need, Right, I need a break in my other classes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's always like super hard. So after you graduated, then then what happened next? Did you like feel like you had like a, a great improvement in your like anxiety or how did that look like for you? Um okay, this is kind of interesting. So I know it almost got worse because I was always a student. Like that was just kind of my like Yeah, it's being. like part of your identity. Like that was my identity. Um and then I wasn't anymore. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to find a job. I have to, like, be successful, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I got into a relationship, which I've never been in a relationship before. And I started being anxious, like, all the time and could never, like, put my finger on it. And I started to realize that it was the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so we broke up. And as of late, my anxiety levels have gone down, but, like, right Everything was so new, right? Like, I got a relationship. I got a job. Mm-hmm. I moved home. Like, everything happened at once. And so my anxiety levels definitely, like, reached a max. Yeah. When students are suddenly not students anymore, like, there's a huge identity switch there that can become super difficult. Right. I had a crisis, for sure. I was <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. I've never not been a student. And then, like, with working, I felt and like I have a lot of friends that are still in college and I just was like envious of that which is crazy because when you're in college you just like can't wait to be done you're like yes, yeah I'm, I have a semester left I have a month left like you count down and then and I did the same thing I was like heck yeah like I'm getting out of here peace out but once it happened I was like wait a minute <laughs> mm-hmm. I what am I supposed to do now yeah so you decided to come home, and what was that kind of like for you? What did you decide to do next? I don't love living at home just because you go from four years of complete independence to, like, being under the roof of your parents again. Yeah. And needing to, like, tell them what you're doing and where you're at, which I understand they're worried, and it's, like, a respect thing. But I'm, like, ugh. I'm literally – I went to the gas station to, like, chill out. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I moved home thinking it was going to be, like, maybe a semester-long thing. I always planned on doing AmeriCorps, but then with COVID, everything got switched with AmeriCorps. Oh, yeah. And you could still apply, but, like, the basically what I wanted out of the program, which was, like, exploration, being in a new city, meeting new people, wasn't mm-hmm. going to be a thing. It was just, like, you could do AmeriCorps, but you, it's basically, like, you show up to your site, go home, and that's it. That's it, yeah. So I decided not to do that, which postponed me living at home <laughs> even longer. <laughs> um, and then... Now I've like wanted to move out, but my mom is like, "Why would you do that? You're make- you're saving so much money." Yeah, that's true, true. But like, I've definitely had to like sacrifice a little bit of mental health. Yeah. For finances, like my finances are going up, but sometimes my mental health is going down. Going down. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like that's what a lot of people feel like at home. That's how I always felt, and like even on breaks, being home, I would be like okay, this is great to be around family, but, like, I need to get out. Like, I can't do this right. anymore. I'm, like, I have nowhere to go. And, like, if I go to my room, I'm being sassy. If I leave the house, I'm 
like not wanting to spend time with them and like you can't win <laughs> yeah yeah it's like a never-ending battle for sure yeah and like with finding a job I got really lucky my really good friend her mom works at McGraw Hill and they had a position open and she mm-hmm. knew that I was looking for a job so she reached out to me and was like would you like to apply and I applied and I got the job so that was nice because I didn't I know a lot of people especially straight out of grad school struggle because or not grad school, out of undergrad, they struggle because it's like, oh, you need a graduate degree yeah. to get this job. Oh, you need three years experience. And it's like, well, how do I get experience if you don't give it? If you me don't it? give it, yeah. Right. So I'm I'm very thankful and blessed to have a job, especially like when COVID hit and jobs became even harder to find. Um, so I'm thankful. It's just not my dream job. So that gives me anxiety too because, once again, it goes back to the like failure aspect. Like, yeah. This isn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, and now I'm doing it. <laughs> well, and it's sad because it's like you you want that experience, and just because it's not like your dream job doesn't mean it's bad, but then it's like how long do I stay? Right. How long is too long? Like I don't want to get too comfortable. I feel like that is something I'm afraid of when I like go into the work field. Yeah, and then it's like you don't want to be leave too quick because you don't want your resume to have like just year-long experience. yeah. Then they were like, well, why don't you stay anywhere? So it's, like, definitely a fine line. <laughs> yeah, that's really hard. And do you feel like having a job and maybe, like, having a little bit more structure with that has been helpful for your anxiety or just, like, your mental health in general? It definitely has. I mean, routines are always helpful. Um, so that works. I mean, I wake up every day just kind of knowing the general idea of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But I... The job itself does not cause anxiety. It's just, like, the future. (laughs) Yeah. So when you were, like, kind of first going through this initial struggle, I know you mentioned, like, medication. Did you ever, like, go to therapy, or were there other, like, things that you did to kind of get some support with your mental health, or what did that look like for you? So this is actually pretty twisted. I originally wanted to work in the government and do, like, public policy and Mm -hmm. work in D.C., and in order to work for, like, the um, federal government, you're really not supposed to have talk therapy. Oh. Which is, yes, fun fact. It's looked down upon heavily to have talk therapy. Um, so, and you have to disclose it because if you work for the government, you get, you take a lie detector test, basically, because you need a security clearance. Oh. So, yes, yeah, so that's one of the questions they ask you is if you've had talk therapy. So I never did. I was like, well, job versus mental health, what do you choose? Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's twisted and I never agreed with it, but that's just like how it is. So I was like, okay, no, no talk therapy. Um, I originally got prescribed meds from just like my general doctor, mm-hmm. but I ran into a lot of issues with that. I was taking one med and I was having like terrible side effects. Um, I was getting like tremors and oh like headaches. Gosh. And as I said, like health anxiety is a big part of my, my anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I can't just have tremors and headaches all the time. Like I'm starting to think I'm literally dying. (laughs) (laughs) So I like called and they're like, um, you're fine. Let's just like cut back the dose. And I was like, wait a minute. No, I can't just cut back the dose because I need it for my brain health. (laughs) So I started to realize that maybe I should go to a specialist. So now I see a psychiatrist and she prescribed my medication and totally changed it was like no if your if your biggest trigger is health you should not be taking the medication that gives you side effects yeah um and so she like totally changed my meds I've been on the same ones now for two years and 
even though she's not like a psychologist or a therapist, she still like listens and lets you um, talk about whatever you want. Yeah, but that's recently, super nice. I was like, screw this. I don't know if I can say that, but I was like, screw this. I'm, I want to go to a talk therapist just because I have a lot to say. And sometimes your friends don't need to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, well, this is a whole other can of worms, but I called like a couple weeks ago now. And the soonest they could get me in was in May. Gosh, that is crazy. So, yeah. And because of my health insurance, I can only go to one place. So like, I, it's not even like that I have an option to like talk to anyone. And recently I saw a TikTok and it was like, what if this was my final straw? What yeah. Then? And Honestly, I was like, seriously, what if that was my final straw? And like, I couldn't talk to someone for two months. <laughs> yeah, it is really sad. Like, I feel like even now, like in 2021, where mental health is more of a conversation and people are talking about it more. I'm like happy for that. But then it also is still upsetting that there still is such like a lack of resources. Like there's still so many people who aren't getting the help that they need to get or, um, like don't even have access like you know to have access is one thing but then to not even like get get it is a whole nother like issue no 100 percent. and i probably could have been like okay just give me whoever like has the quickest appointment but Mm -hmm. i like read all their bios and i was like well i want to go to someone that i like i relate to and already feel like comfortable going to and, like, that's another thing is, like, everyone's like, oh, go to therapy, go to therapy. But it's, like, you have to be comfortable enough to talk. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. It's not going to do anything. And I don't feel like people talk enough about how hard it is to find a therapist that you like. That is, like, so yeah. hard. I feel like I, like, honestly, if I look back at my experiences, I can't say that I've had a therapist who has, like, actually benefited me and helped me. And that's not, like, to say that they were bad, but definitely just were not the right fit for me but I don't think that that is like such a hard process I wasn't even interested because I was so messed up of like not even interested of trying to find someone that fit I just was like no this has to work like I need this to work right and I've heard a lot of people say that that they have like they've gone to like one person and they're like I was awkward it didn't work I didn't get good vibes and then they stop which is unfortunate but I'm like okay you don't have a good experience with one person and then you try to another person. Oh, sorry, you can't get into them for six weeks. Six, yeah, it's like, exactly. Well, I just have to start all over, and then it just completely. It's just it 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 feels not even like it's worth it anymore. Like, okay, whatever, I'll just journal. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll just journal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's super hard. I just wish that that was something like more talked about for sure. So I'm interested to hear a little bit more about things that you've like done or strategies that you've used to kind of connect um, or like connect with your mental health, things that you've done to kind of have better brain days that aren't as bad. What are some strategies or things that you do to help cope? So (laughs) recently, so, okay, I'm going to start with this. I am obsessed with TikTok. It's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, yeah you start to realize that there's so many other people out there that like are just like you and your experiences really aren't unique, Mm -hmm. which is kind of comforting in a way to like know that other people feel the same way. And I recently saw a TikTok that was like, tell me you're depressed without telling me you're depressed. And it's like, it shows a picture of like how many books they've read. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) So one of the ways I cope is reading. 
um, it just like lets your mind think about the book and nothing else. Yeah. Um, which I love. I've always loved reading, and I made it a goal this year to read 25 books by the end oh. of the year. Um, I'm already at. I'm on book nine. That's so I mean, nice. I love reading. Yes, and I'm reading very just like easy novels, nothing super heavy. Yeah. Um, I also watch a lot of TV. Another another form of escapism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but as far as just like. I've started working out, which really helps. And I was always like, I don't need to work out. It's stupid. Like, I'd rather just eat. But I realized that, like, I mean, biologically, it releases so many, like, endorphins. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's helped a lot. Um, Also, just, like, not meditation per se, but, like, finding ways to just, like, Um, Mm self-soothe. Lots of breathing. A lot of just, like, Another thing that's really helped is just understanding that some days I need to, like, have a bad brain day and be alone. Yeah. And, like, not beat myself up for it. Um, Well, and, like, not have the pressure of, like, feeling like you always have to be okay. Right. Yeah, just giving myself a lot of grace has made, like, all the difference. And coloring. I really like to color. (laughs) Oh, coloring. That's a good one. Yeah, I've been into, like, design stuff recently, and it's kind of, like, the same thing. It's just, like, like, mindless activity that I can just, like, kind of block everything out and just focus on that. Also, like, working exactly. out, that's, like, something I feel like I would not consider myself a fitness guru, like, at all. I'm probably the farthest from it you could possibly get. But I have found that, like, even just, like, walking, like, after I do that, I'm like, man, I could do anything. Like, I could do anything. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Exactly. Especially, that's another thing that, like, my dog helps with. I have a very high energy. I'm an, an Australian Shepherd, so they're super high energy. So he needs lots of walks. And so even that's like, like I get done with my walk. And I'm like, okay, what else can I do? Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, oh, room. it's time to be productive. Right. Definitely. Okay, and then my last question is that um, along the way, as you kind of have gone throughout this journey and your mental health battles and stuff, what things do you wish you would have known, like, from the beginning? What things do you wish you could have, like, told early Maggie? What would you, like, have said to her that maybe would have made – some of the process at least a little bit um, less hurtful, I guess. Super, super cliche, but just like, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Like I was always so wrapped up in being so perfect. And I would just tell past Maggie, like, you're going to fail. That's life. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to happen. But everything in the grand scheme of things is so small. So small. And just to keep like living like I definitely ruined some very fun experiences because I just got in my own way um and so yeah just practicing I would just tell I would tell anyone or past Maggie like just give yourself grace that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing just give yourself lots of love you you only have one you and it's okay not to be okay and I like tell myself that still like there's days I'm like a complete wreck and I just have to remind myself, like, okay, this too shall pass. Like, yeah. this will be history. And, like, in a week, I'll be like, why was I crying over a leaf? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that word grace. Like, I feel like that, like, it's such a simple word, but it speaks, like, so much volume. And and I think that kind of you said this earlier, like, life is no fun when you're, like, feeling hurt, you know? And I just constantly have to remind myself, like, man, I really just want to enjoy this. You know, I want to enjoy this right. experience. I want to do this. And 
um, sometimes I feel like it's easy to kind of stay in that like negative place and negative mindset, but ultimately like our life is so much more enjoyable when we're not doing that. And I also read Untamed. Have you read Untamed by Glennon Doyle? I haven't, but it's on my reading list. I want to read it so bad. You need to. It took me a while to get through because it's, I mean, it's a memoir. It's not like fiction. Um, So it took me a while, but one of the quotes in the book was like, it's, this isn't verbatim, but it was um, the only person you should be worried about disappointing is yourself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that also has like made all the difference. It's like, at the end of the day, you have to live with you. No one else does. Yeah. And cool. like, at, we should like, once again, grace, like that's been my mantra this year is just like, grace, give, give yourself grace, give other people grace. You never know what's happening in behind closed doors. And I think that if I would have known that when I was 18, life would have been a little easier. <laughs> yeah, that's so, it's so beautiful. And I I really hope that people can feel that for themselves. Even like, I know like how hard it is when you're like in your lowest of lows to feel that way because like, it seems like there's no light, you know, at the end of the tunnel, like that you're oh, stuck in sure. this like place of darkness. But I think part of like the beauty of mental health journeys is when you like recover from that place and can look back and see like how loved you still were, how like how there was grace there and like there is light at the end of the tunnel, but it sure is like really difficult to get through that place for sure. Oh, for sure. And for me to sit here and say like some days I like that I'm perfect now, like no, there's some days still I'm like, oh my God, nothing's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's normal. Um, but just like when I am having good brain days, like just constantly, like almost hyping myself up, like, yes, girl, you like finish your to-do list. Like just being proud of little things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Being proud of the little things. I love that. Yeah. And that is Maggie Olson. I can relate to a lot of her story as a college student myself, and I'm sure many individuals out there can as well. School can feel like a big trigger for people as well as just life in general. And I'm really thankful to Maggie for being honest and coming and sharing a little bit more about what that looks and feels like. And this is what How Do You Feel is all about. Today is actually our last episode airing of How Do You Feel? And so I've just been super excited and grateful about this opportunity because I just really feel the impact of it in my own life. And I'm also starting to see it um, impacted in other people's life. And that really means a lot to me. Hopefully you guys know by now I like to wrap up with resources that can maybe assist with mental health. Um, And lately I've been trying to connect those back to kind of what our guests shared about. And so there were a few things that I took notes about that I was like, oh, this would be good for me and Maggie's story. Um, And there were three things that I kind of wrote down about that. So reading, I think, is a big one that kind of stood out to me. I've always loved reading. I used to be a big reader, but as I've gotten older, I haven't really given myself the time or the liberty to do that. And I do really like that idea of kind of giving yourself like something like to pour into, something to escape from, a story to kind of ease into. I think that can be really helpful and definitely a good resource that I think can be used to help other people as well. And obviously, there are books out there for literally everyone. I'm a big self-help kind of person. Um, I love reading self-help books or I'm really into the Enneagram if anyone knows anything about that. So 
those are always my favorite books to read. And hopefully um, after graduation, I can kind of ease back into doing a lot of more reading because that's something I'm really looking forward to. The next thing that really stood out to me was giving yourself alone time. Some people, this doesn't work well for them. I think this kind of goes back to whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, but I'm definitely someone that charges my batteries and kind of like feels rested when I have alone time to myself. Alone time can be hard. It can feel lonely. It can feel isolating, but I also think it's really important. And I think that it's important because it gives yourself a chance to feel content in yourself and not feel like you're kind of taking things from other people to feel content. And so I think that alone time can really offer a lot of value, even um, or especially for individuals who really don't like alone time, because I think that that can be isolating and can feel lonely, but I also think it can provide a lot of room for growth, which is super important. So I really liked that she kind of talked about that. And along with that, and to wrap up this resource of the day, I think that giving yourself space is an important thing that I took away from Maggie's story. Just listening to kind of the things that she does to kind of let herself reset and feel like um, she talked about that notion of self-soothing, I think is really interesting and important. Um, to be frank, even if I'm alone, I feel like I don't give myself a lot of space to feel my feelings, to not be okay. Um, to let myself feel what I need to feel. And so I think giving yourself space is a really important takeaway that we can all learn from, we can all adjust to. And um, yeah, I just really liked her talking about that because I feel like a lot of times that can be shunned upon, giving yourself space, letting yourself feel. Sometimes that's like thrown away. Um, But I think that that's really important. And I'm really thankful for Maggie to come and talk to us about that. Again, like always, I always have some educational resources that I'll list down below. And I just want to thank each and every one of you for listening. This podcast is dedicated to honoring mental health journeys and giving the people the power to honor their stories. And I always wrap up with this closing statement that you are loved, your story is valid, and you are deserving of a healthy journey, which is so, so true. So thank you so much for joining How Do You Feel? And I encourage each and every one of you as a last effort to go out and do these same kind of things in your life. Talk to people, share, listen, and give yourself the space that you need to honor everyone's mental health journey. Thank you for joining How Do You Feel?